0: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom and Nick coming to you from the remote yet opulent confines of our temporary outpost here in Chestertown, Maryland, on the grounds of Thornton Manor for our annual family pilgrimage. Nick, I enjoy everything about this podcast. Talking Steelers with you, prepping for the shows, learning everything I can about the black and gold. I love it all. Everything that is except two things editing the podcast, and having to watch the last preseason game wire-to-wire each season. The Steelers dropped the finale for the preseason 34-9 to the Panthers. Thoughts? Commentary?
1: Plenty of commentary, because even when there's no news, there's always news for psychopaths like us and for the psychopaths out there listening to the podcast. And I mean that word in the most complimentary sense, because... We can go deep on some hypotheticals that actually may have some real-life consequences or, in you know, a positive or negative for the Steelers. The good thing about sports, you could talk about all damn day. And the best place to do it Spotify Green Room. It's a live audio only sports talk platform that's easy to use and free to download. You can talk to podcasters, you can talk to athletes, bench warmers, starters, insiders, and outsiders. It's perfect for watch parties, it's perfect for overreacting to Steelers' victories and saying that the sky is falling. You can do whatever you want there. All you got to do is download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group.
0: All right, I did feel like I wanted to put needles into my eyes watching this show. I I came in late, but I rewatched the thing, whole, so I saw the whole thing.
1: You're glutton for pain.
0: Well, we have a job to do. That's right. I think we we decided we're gonna we're gonna focus a little on Dwayne Haskins because this was his coming out party. In so far as he was going against a first team. Yeah, he did not Un- do well. Unfortunately, he didn't play with a lot of his own first team, so I'm not sure you got a, a clean look at him.
1: Yeah. Okay. So. Like, we're always joking about, like, oh, there's so there's more to say, there's less to say in a particular podcast. And obviously when you have a regular season game, there's so much to say that you can't even get through it. But honestly, there are so many angles you can take on this game despite how boring it was. And the biggest one is the Dwayne Haskins conversation. And I think it revolves around what you were saying. There's, you know, a legion of fans who are understandably extremely excited about Dwayne Haskins because Ben's on the edge of retirement here and maybe the Steelers got a legitimate bona fide first round quarterback for no money and he's waiting in the wings and Dwayne Haskins, you know, the allure of the first round talent is so hard to resist. Kevin White, the first-round bust for the Bills, like the fourth pick in the draft, the wide receiver um, from West Virginia, he was picked like eight years ago. He, he's I don't even think he's ever made a team, and he just got cut from another team a couple weeks ago. Like, he's still getting opportunities because of that first-round status. Now, obviously, that's not where Dwayne Haskins is. Dwayne Haskins had an understandably poor first season in Washington because, A, he was incredibly inexperienced. Kevin Colbert said when they picked him up, "Hey, we had we really loved this guy in the draft, but we definitively thought that he should have stayed in school. Not only did he only have one year of starting, he was also just young. And then he goes to a really unstable franchise in Washington, which since since then they've actually stabilized a bit, but at the time, you know, they just have a reputation for scrolling through quarterbacks and coaches. Ron Rivera was going through cancer he didn't pick Dwayne Haskins. It was just, it was a mess there. So it's understandable why Haskins hasn't done that great. So me, that's just a big prelude onto why everybody loves Haskins. And I just want to speak for both sides because to me, of course, I'm excited about the guy's talent. Now, in my opinion of the game is he he failed his first big test, right? Does that mean he's not going to be a great quarterback? No, of course not. But I think the test wasn't just about this game, Dad. It was about we had this whole preseason. It wasn't that special. I know everyone got so excited in that second game where he completed like 75% of his passes. But we said after that game, yeah, it was nice. He was under control. I think it was good when you compare him to what Dwayne Haskins used to do. But if you ask me, I still think Mason Rudolph looked better in the preseason. And I'm not a Mason Rudolph fan. And that's just because Mason put the ball downfield. Mason got 10 throws a game, and he was completing something down the field of time. We never saw that from Dwayne Haskins. And then we saw in the final game against the Panthers the total collapse kind of game, right? So that's not great. Um, His future, you know, still unknown to me. But I tend to think if we're talking first-round quarterbacks, it's a different breed now. Like, they're stars. There's two superstar first-round quarterbacks every year, you know? And I don't know if he's that guy. I've never been that, like— Crazy about his physical talents. He's good at everything. He's not great at anything. His arm is very solid. He's got—I mean—he definitely throws the ball really well. But it's not like, you know, uh, Justin Herbert arm or something. His running is like just good enough to get out of the pocket, which you and I agree—that's all you need. But it's not special. His size is excellent, and then his accuracy is pretty spotty, and his mechanics are kind of all over the place. But. I understand that he was playing with all backup players and the Panthers were playing with first teamers so I didn't need him to go up there and throw for 300 yards I just didn't need him to go you know first seven plays go for 10 yards cumulative and two turnovers and so I think that was pretty rough from him and I think everybody who's saying oh it was just because he was playing with the backups I think that's oversimplifying it a little bit because he didn't show
0: anything. So I guess three things are of concern, right? So accuracy is one problem. That interception to um, Derek Watt was a problem. But
1: he has a one-yard pass that he skied over the guy's head, and we saw him miss a number of one-yard passes in his first start, remember?
0: Yeah. The second thing is the lack of air yards, intended air yards. And if you look at last year's statistics, Ben had uh, was not exactly prolific in his intended air yards at 69 Haskins was at 6.7, and he showed more of that over the preseason where he's not willing to go down, downfield like you said. Right. The, th- the third thing, am I counting right? The third thing yeah. is his athleticism. He's a guy who can get out of the pocket and yeah. extend a play,
1: but he's not speedy Gonzalez. He is not quick down the field. No, and you don't need to be. You ju- his speed is fine. But you need some other element to me. Like if your speed is fine like that, well then you better be really accurate like Joe Burrow. Or you might you better be like really good in, in in trash like he is. Or you better have a great arm like Justin Herbert or something. And so Jack of all trades, master of none, to me, you know, he smells like a bridge quarterback kinda kinda player. Um like not not Teddy Bridgewater, because Teddy Bridgewater is so... Literally a bridge. Yeah, he's the bridge of all bridges. Teddy Bridgewater is like a careful with the ball kind of guy, not going to win you, not going to lose you the game. And maybe that's what Dwayne Haskins turns into, although I don't really know if that's in his personality. Um, but uh, just a guy who's like, yeah, he's going to be a little bit up and down. But all I know is that now that I can grade him after the whole preseason... We have been very vocal about our dislike for Mason Rudolph since the day he was drafted. To this day, I think very clearly a wasted draft pick, third rounder. The Steelers have the Steelers have could like they should have had a starting player with that position, and particularly because they were drafting within a Super Bowl window and you don't get quarterbacks in the third round and don't tell me Russell Wilson and these one out of quite literally thousand guys who actually work out in those rounds, you know so not being a fan of Mason Rudolph I can say as a Steelers fan I'm much more comfortable with him as the backup quarterback in Pittsburgh this year and I think he made it obvious because even when, when Rudolph played with two, like he still pushes the ball down the field and gives him there. They both have massive weaknesses all over their game. But that's just kind of my stance on Haskins is that, like, I'm not against him. I, I hope that next year he can take another step forward and then overtake Mason Rudolph. But where they're at today, I don't think they're quite there. And actually, Rudolph has a little bit more experience in, 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 in the NFL and then even in starting games. So it does make sense that he's ahead of him now. I think Haskins could overtake him, but I didn't see a lot. Outside of the physical talent that suggested that to me over the preseason, what ultimately puts Mason Rudolph ahead of Haskins his decision making or yeah, his decision making, his aggressiveness, and his timing, I think, you know, I feel like Haskins is waiting for guys to get open and then he throws it, which is a very Ohio State quarterback thing to do, um, and I think that Rudolph is ready to push the ball you know downfield and Throw timing routes and throw deep outs. Even just think about the very first game when he hit, when Rudolph hit Chase Claypool on those two deep out plays. Like we didn't see any of those really from Haskins. I mean, we, we at the end of the game we ended up seeing some of them. So I was pumped. Then I don't want this to come out as anti-Haskins. My opinion is I hope that he can overtake Mason Rudolph by next year, and I he definitely has significantly more physical ability. But at this point, after the tryout, I think. We know where the pecking order is. I think that's fine. Okay. How about if we move through
0: some of the hot spots on the roster and some of the latest news? Talk about whether this last game had implications for anybody. It did. Right. There were the Steelers released nine players uh, after that game, and among them, a guy who was. Uh, I Sexton. guess Sexton is, uh, is I had a circle around him, who he who could have been our future punt returner.
1: Yeah, two phenomenal punt returns and then a fumbled punt. But I think that um, this preseason was a little disappointing. I, nobody really ra- rose up through the ranks, like. I guess Pierre, but we kind of knew he was kind of penciled in as a starter when they let all the other cornerbacks go. So I don't even know if I count him. There was nobody to me who really emerged low on the roster and made a big impact. So these cuts weren't even that difficult for me. Like, I know people were excited about Sexton because he had two good punt returns. Well, Deontay Johnson has had many incredible punt returns. So has Ray Ray. So I don't think that. And Sexton didn't really offer anything on offense, so I don't think he offers you more than what those guys have, right? It's just everyone gets excited about a punt returner. I'd say the most positive thing about the preseason was it just showed that this defensive line, the backups, they're really progressing. One of the other nine that were
0: cut was Tony Brooks-James. You think there's just a uh, there too many guys ahead of him. I mean, he didn't have anything spectacular, but there's no. too many running backs in the room.
1: This part of the podcast... It, I'm going to be honest. Like, the reason why I just said what I said was because if you want to go listen to some podcasts that are going to go over all these 75th men on the roster, be my guest. I don't find it interesting. Like, not we know every player on the roster, every player on the practice squad. I find it interesting when someone escalates. No one escalated this summer. I don't... So, like, spending time and time on it doesn't really inspire me that way. There's nobody really... I think... The defensive line depth is is really the only is the only area, and that's exciting. And those cuts are interesting to me. Every other position, I mean, I guess yeah, them cutting, um, Antoine Brooks was extremely shocking. But again, like to me, like, well, what did he do? He didn't do much. It doesn't move the needle that much for me. Whereas the defensive line is extremely intriguing because they got like eight freaking guys, and they're not gonna be able to keep them all. I
0: uh, take your point about James Pierre. He wasn't a Completely. He wasn't a uh, he didn't come out of nowhere, but I was really happy with this play. I mean, that's the that was a big soft spot for us. That's in true. the Secondary. And he at least he proved himself. He didn't fail in the preseason and he looks like he could be above the line.
1: I'd say another one is louder milk like, a, a draft pick that was just annihilated across the board on Twitter. And when we um, talked about it the day after the draft, we said, like, yeah, we hadn't heard of this guy before, but just from everything we're seeing from the Twitter universe of scouts and stuff like that, people are not big on this guy, let alone considering the fact that the Steelers traded up from, And apparently they knew something that everyone didn't because he's been looking pretty good. And we've said this on the podcast for years – One of the most underrated things about great football teams, and if you look at any of the Super Bowl performers over the past, I mean, forever, you have to have depth on the D-line. You have to have basically two functional defensive lines, and the Steelers have that, and that's what the preseason showed. So the preseason showed a few things to me. Number one... This defense is going to be really good because we know the stars are there. Alex Highsmith looks like he's going to take the next step. And the defensive line is awesome. And it also showed, wow, Bob Spokane's not the guy. And they brought in Joe Shobert. Thank God they tackled that before it was too late. And then the last thing to me was that the slot, the, the, third, the fourth corner position is red alert right now. Nobody really stepped up outside of the top three guys, and I guess they probably will go with the lineup in Nickel where they're going to put, uh, they're going to bump Cam Sutton to the slot cornerback position and bring James Pierre on the field to play outside. That's good use of your personnel. Not ideal, though, when you have the luxury of last year, okay, it's Nelson Hayden on the outside, and then you get a Pro Bowl-type guy, Mike Hilton, on the inside, They're going to have to mix and match, but at least they got guys who can do it, and that's why they drafted Sutton was that versatility. So not a worst-case scenario, but to me those are the big takeaways from the preseason. Aside from the fun of seeing Haskins and Rudolph go and just from the Haskins-Rudolph thing, we've confirmed, oh yeah, on the field, Haskins more physically talented, but I don't think quite in the developmental area that Mason Rudolph's in just yet. Can we
0: dive back into the defensive line a little bit? Yeah. yeah. What uh, you were saying about Lattimore, Milk. milk. don't you think that he, the Steelers got him for his physical attributes? I mean, he checked a lot of athletic boxes.
1: Yeah, I'm Power Five school and all that kind of thing. But you know, they've taken physical freaks before. Justin Lane's a fast guy. Artie Burns is a fast guy. Like but that's why they chose him, now.
0: not not for necessarily performance. What do you mean? I mean, he. he oh, his his potential. I mean, there, there his were, potential. The Steelers yeah. got a lot of criticism for picking him up. Yeah, as they early did. as as early as they. I mean, they traded away a draft pick to trade him, bring him into the fourth round, right?
1: Yeah, and and what you're saying, like they they went off more potential for him, like oh, if this yeah. guy could. And you wouldn't think that it would show up this early. So, yeah, I agree. Like, it's surprising it showed up this early. And then I guess what, like, Nick Farabaugh and uh, Alex Kozora and those guys who are on the ground at training camp have said, he's hit or miss in these practices. Like, if he can get his techs- techniques down, he's going to be an absolute monster. But he makes big plays pretty frequently. And I, I think you're right. That's actually wild that it paid off so early. Usually those height, weight, speed guys don't pay off they'll. Usually ever. But a couple years down the line. I mean, look how long it took Bud Dupree, a first round version of that. Troll Edmonds. We are nervous about Stefan Tuitt.
0: Are we? I am. I mean, he hasn't. He has this undisclosed, undisclosed injury. It's
1: not the injury. I think it was because his brother died. But they've been talking about that for months now.
0: I mean, was it January where his brother got?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a really good. But I think good question. You know,
0: so they have been very unclear about his uh, why he's out. But I did read that you know there was some undisclosed. Injury. Who knows what we're being told. But the fact that we haven't seen him a lot does make me a little nervous. Well, you're
1: not allowed to have undisclosed injuries. So that makes it weirder. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I probably like, this made the mistake
0: weird. of uh, reading something on Twitter and, and sure, believing sure. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are any of these defensive linemen trade bait.
1: I don't know. The interesting thing, you'd have to find a way to stash them on your roster and lose somebody else. You'd probably have to play some tic-tac-toe that way. I don't know. I mean, they're talking about the same thing with Jordan Berry as well. I know we're kind of of all over the place here, but that's kind of where we're at in the preseason because the NFL is a bunch of douchers, and they put a week of nothing in between that game of nothing and then the real thing against the Bills. It's just cruel and unusual punishment, but... Um, you know, they're talking about Jordan Berry. That, that, maybe that punting battle has not been outright won by uh, Preston Harvin. And they, maybe you could trade him because he's been great in the preseason. And so one of these defensive linemen, maybe they could get traded. I don't know. I think they'd have to play a little Tetris to get that done, though.
0: Well, let's just move on to the punting because they had identical preseasons. Yeah. And this, literally in this last game, they, had, they were within six yards of punting and both had something inside the, inside tw- inside the 20. What do you think happens there?
1: Man, well, I think it's eerie how identical they've been. And I think that Jordan Berry, we know what he is. And this is Presley Harvin's first month as an NFL punter. So let's take him. Jordan Berry, I've said this on the podcast before. Pat McAfee, for the brand, punting expert, Pro Bowl punter, has talked about Berry, saying he might have the best leg in the NFL. But long story short, I'm going to paraphrase here. He basically said he's a practice player. Like, He doesn't always play that well in the games, Jordan Berry. It's a way different thing when you have the live rush in there. And so if they're identical right now, we know what Jordan Berry does when it's December and the Steelers are backed up in their own 15-yard line. That other team is getting the ball at the 50 guaranteed. So it is risky because also it's not like Jordan Berry is bad. He just leaves something to be desired a lot of the time, and you'd be taking a risk with a young guy and uh, you don't want to get scobied like the kicking game did. But to me, I think it's worth the risk. If they're, if they're identical right now and it's, it's uh, the big unit's first month punting in the NFL, I'm assuming he's going to get a little better. And so let's, let's go with the new guy.
0: Okay. Can we talk about what did, what did Benny Snell do for himself in his basically one game in the preseason?
1: I don't know. I mean, he was injured the whole time. All I know is that Mike Tomlin loves him. Just absolutely loves the guy. Yeah, that's pretty much good enough for me. So I'm really curious to see what they do. I would hope that Najee and, at the beginning of the year, um, McFarland are the only ones getting the touches. And I say at the beginning of the year there because I think you want to give McFarland a few games and see if he can do something with it. Because obviously last year you gave him the ball and it was kind of a disaster. And if that happens again, you got... Kalen Blage, and you got Benny Snell to turn to as like the very average, non-athletic, okay, maybe they won't, at least won't fumble kind of running backs. But I would really obviously, Najee is going into the Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, James Connor role. He's gonna get the ball six thousand times. And then you could have the change of bat pa, the change of pace back with McFarland. And so I don't know. Um I guess it just depends on the special teams for Callum Balazs and uh, and Benny Snell. But his, his preseason was nondescript for Benny Snell. Athletically, we know he is what he is. Tomlin already loved him. I don't know if this helped him or hurt him or anything.
0: Wide receiver, Ray Ray, made the team by virtue of Sexton's fumble. Ray,
1: wide receiver is a general... You mean punt returner, Ray Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's... Yeah. Not a wide receiver, Got it as right. we saw. Fair enough. Yeah. And by the way, <clears throat> we... We we are the Ray Ray McLeod podcast. We were the Kareth White podcast, and then we transformed in the Ray Ray McLeod podcast. Massive fan of his. But we said this last year. When he went on the field on offense, it was clear he is a Dre Archer on offense. Chris Rainey actually had some nice plays for the Steelers, even though some people will compare Chris Rainey and Dre Archer. I'm like, actually he had some plays, and then I think he killed someone or something and yeah, he was out. But regardless those damned NFL rules. Maybe I shouldn't just be saying that on a podcast like Indicting Chris Rainey of something he didn't do. Maybe you've looked that up real quick. But Ray Ray, it also reminds me a little bit of Switzerland on offense. Just like the legs are too small to get away from anybody. The, those one-yard catches, they're not doing anything. And then he really blew it on the intermediate catches and his opportunities to do that um, in that final preseason game. So I do not want to see him getting any touches really on offense in meaningful games. But if he can get himself back to where he was at the beginning of last year with the punt returning and kick returning, it doesn't matter that he doesn't play offense. He's such a phenomenal return man. He just needs to get his groove back in that return game, and I don't care if he doesn't play. You got four superstar receivers. Well, four, four very good receivers. I won't say superstar, right? Your fourth receiver is James Washington. So for anybody out there hoping James Washington gets the ball more, you definitely don't want Ray Ray getting the ball because you also have two tight ends— who are going to get the ball and you have a running back who's going to have quite a few catches so to me that fifth receiver role isn't even massively critical obviously you want as many good receivers as you can for depth if you had two guys go down I think the Steelers would be in trouble and hopefully they get a stash one of these guys in their practice squad and I would assume uh, somebody else anybody else would start above Ray Ray when it comes to offense but as a return man he he can be an absolute star depending on what you want to
0: believe uh from Chris Franey was arrested in 2010 for sending a uh, text to his girlfriend that implied that he m- might do something nefarious. No, oh. I think you... Murder. You've, well, you can interpret it however you want. It says, it Florida said,
1: Gators receiver allegedly sent, time to die, text the girlfriend. Are you sure he wasn't asking if she wanted to go see like a Bond movie? Yeah, you want Time to die? That's what I mean. You want to go see that? I'm sorry, Chris Rainey. If you didn't kill anybody, I'm really sorry. I loved it when you were on the Steelers. If you did kill anybody, uh, disavow. All right. Linebacker. Talking about linebackers. It's a thin line between a
0: successful inside linebacking core and scared to death
1: yeah well Spland was really bad in the preseason, but uh you still got to feel okay about him as a backup in my in my opinion How did he hold on for i mean he held on for a whole year did, did he use every drop of gas in the half tank a last year, year right but okay, yeah. I think the Steelers are so used to having a bad backup linebacker have to come in and play half the year we're just sort of used to it in Pittsburgh you know at least it's not Sean Spence after Shazier's injury that was her. Sean Spence who hadn't played football in 21 months or whatever it was so that that's a little tough but no, I think that the front seven on the Steelers is phenomenal. The I'm really curious to see how they're going to deploy Melvin Ingram because obviously you're seeing all these annoying national shows talk about the Steelers' defense and how T.J. Watt and Melvin Ingram are going to lead them there. You're like, you can't do an ounce of research. You can't just text Brooke, Br- Brooke Pryor, who works for ESPN, does the Pittsburgh reporting. You can't find out who Alex Highsmith is. The starting outside linebacker? Stop saying Melvin Ingram is so lazy. It's annoying. That's why we have a podcast. That's why there are other good podcasts out there. But um, obviously, you got to find a way to get Ingram on the field as well. And I think they can be really creative with that. We've talked about that before. But uh, yeah, so they got depth on the defensive line. They have depth that edge rusher. Mark Cassius March was actually okay. You know, as a fourth guy, you feel much better than him being the third guy. Like you said, yep, linebacker. It's a little scary. It is a little scary, and, and Spillane having such a bad preseason is cause for concern. And now, by the way, Spillane has quite a bit of tape out there, so people are going to really design game plans around getting him into mismatches. You know, but uh, the safeties, Miles Killabrew, star special team star, tackling machine. That's nice to have him there. Still, don't have that backup roaming free safety for Minka or even a guy who could go in there and, and nickel or dime packages and, and play in the back and let Minka do other things that cover the slots. Don't have that guy. That sucks. I. You think they're going to sign someone between now and then, but if not, it just seems like it's going to be a big priority for next year, and I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll find a way to get a guy. But uh, defense should be excellent. I'd be surprised if there were anything under that. By the way, I don't know if that— once again, I feel all over the place, but when you're saying offense, banners hurt again. So, guys never played, can't stay on the field. Chooks was pretty bad in, in the preseason, whereas Dan Moore, the left tackle, the rookie, was very good. But if last year taught us anything, when they started Filer over Dotson, who is clearly and by far the best lineman on the Steelers. By the way, that's done. That's done now. We watched him play a few games. He was dominant. He looks like he is what we thought he was last year. Thank God. But they didn't start him over Fire last year. I don't know if they're going to start more over Chooks. My only hope is that Matt Canada maybe could be the deciding factor there. And one other
0: squirrely little position that has now come into focus and maybe into question is the long snapper. Really? Yeah. So Cameron Canada was, uh, was hurt for this last game, and Christian Kuntz get, got his chance. You, so you weren't focused on that?
1: I was focused on it. And I agree. It's uh, intriguing. The, the, the battle that Cameron Kennedy has had to stay on the roster, uh, overcoming a drafted player. Is he going to be able to overcome this guy? I don't know. Stay tuned on long snapper battles. <laughs> hey, I will say, that actually is relatively significant. Because if Presley Harvin's the punter, you have a new snapper and a new holder for Chris Boswell in the same season. That's a lot. I mean, I guess the new holder makes it all new, right? He's the middleman. I just want to say this. What? You have one thing to do. Well, you know, you and I were talking on the phone the other day. Again, McAfee, who really educates the world on punting and kicking, he um, changed my life. Because apparently, it's the long snapper's job to get the laces out. Not the holder. You practice spinning that thing so much that you know where the laces are going to freaking land. And it, good long snappers always have those laces facing out. Laces out, Dan. Laces out, Christian. Or cam, you know? Laces out cam sounds more like the original Ace Ventura quote. Maybe we can have
0: an online debate about who the best selection is for long snapper.
1: That's a great idea. Let's have that debate at Spotify Room. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to insiders, athletes, fans, and podcasters, and whoever you want who's into sports, and you can do that in real time. It's perfect for post-game breakdowns, watch parties, reacting to breaking news, and you can get into a little long snapper debate there if you want to. So why don't you head over to the iOS app store, download that Spotify Green Room app for free, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. All right, it's time for that vacation chipped ham sandwich but before we get nice. out of here, as
0: Nick noted, we have two weeks before the first game on September twelfth
1: at Buffalo. Love the it. One p.m. game. Couldn't be any more excited. Unless it was in the snow. Uh, if we can get him, um, Devin Bush to absolutely knock the brains out of Manuel Sanders as he comes across the middle, that would be awesome.
0: Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. We can talk crap about them freaking bye-bye.